Crack that thing. Um, I'm <clears throat> really excited for this because two things. Judd, how do... H- Hanks? It's just Hanks? Hankus. Hankus. Yeah. Where's that? Like, what's the heritage of that? Um, I believe it's German. Yeah, I could say German. I've been really excited to do this interview for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, I believe... Uh, because we're here? No, he's Mammoth. We grew up in Mammoth. You grew up snowboarding in Mammoth. And um, uh, it's all right. You can drop him in. And um, I, um, it's it, he's, next generation. He's the next generation of this Mammoth. He's talking about old school and new school Mammoth right here. It's like combining right sure. now with the legacy. And you have a lot to live up to. I know I do. Did yes. you feel that pressure growing up? Maybe no, I didn't really feel the pressure. I was just super stoked that a bunch of pro snowboarders were riding the same mountain that I rode growing up, and it was just super motivating. Wait, and do you w- were you too old for you? Like, do you did you look up to him? Like, as yeah, yeah, you of did. Of course. Okay, I'm dude. just checking. I'm just checking. Danny the Cass stories is a legend. Are still there, man. <laughs> I hear him. Dude. The He's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing, nothing else to say. <laughs> I mean, Man, because what year were you born? We're spoiled. We get them 2001. all. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Damn, you got your first Olympic medal in two thousand two. Yeah, I was nineteen. Dang, the year he was. So well, you didn't born-ish. even get to watch that. You don't even. That doesn't even no, bounce around in your head. That's way beyond the, or that's like way beyond my memory. Yeah. Like, well, that's a good thing. Early. I went and got another medal in two thousand six. It still would have been beyond his memory. Five. Yeah, I still don't remember at that point. I don't really like remember learning how to snowboard or surf or skateboard or anything like that. Because like, you grew up, you grew up second too nature. Far back. Yeah. You grew up in La Jolla. Were you born in La Jolla? Uh, I was born at Scripps Hospital. My parents lived in Claremont when I was growing up, and then we moved to La Jolla when I was like thirteen. Yep. So you grew up surfing. Yep. Skateboarding. And snowboarding. Snowboarding. All at the same. Time. And you don't remember starting any of them. You just know life. As is with surfing, snowboarding, and skateboarding. I do not remember life before that. I Did don't you remember come life closer beyond, to the mic? I don't remember life be before the board. No, that's actually kind of sick. Did your dad teach you? Uh, yeah, my dad taught me how to surf when I was super young. I think he had me on a board at age like two. Two? Yeah. Like tandem? <coughs> yeah, tandem. Yeah, he used to tell <laughs> us like, if you don't like sand, you were born in the wrong family. Dang. <laughs> really? I've seen your dad rip around on skis. Yeah, he rips the skis. He doesn't snowboard. He's got a bad back. Oh, is that why? Yeah. And he still surfs? Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah, and I like that. How are the waves over in La Jolla? They're good. They're good? Yeah, we got good waves down there. It's chilly. Do you surf, Brittany? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a little, when I was going to art school and lived in Venice, I had like a short stint with surfing, and then I got hit in the head by a board, and then barrel rolled in a Huntington, and I was like, mm, maybe not for me. Hang on, so that w- t- two places you go, you go barrel roll down to Huntington. In hi- no, 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 when I like I the board went under me in Huntington, a big wave, and then I almost drowned, and I was like, okay, not fun. And then I went again, and I didn't know that the board had to go behind you, so I had the board or er, er, the board had to go or whatever, and I got up, and then the wave put the board on my forehead and I got like a huge egg and I just realized like I don't know if this is my not your thing she snowboards though I can snowboard I've I've surfed in Sydney before I could surf in like a Sydney wave like when they like kind of push you out in Bondi like on the side and then you Sydney wave (laughs) well Bondi Bondi wave I mean I guess it does is some easy breaks those are easy breaks they're long Sydney's come closer 
Sydney's got some crazy waves. Sydney. I haven't surfed there, but I've seen some. So we're here to actually talk about your surf and snowboard film, um, Greenhorn. Yep. yep. The trailer is, we're going to drop the trailer right now. So the trailer is going to play. And um, this is a movie that you and Gimbal God made yep. over the last year and a half. Yeah, it's been since last May. So May 2022 is when we started the film. Yeah, so I, you, we, we tried to watch it in Australia, but we didn't have the technology to uh, get it on the TV screen, yeah. which I'm actually really happy for because for many reasons um, it, it, it'll be... It'll mean more to me when I actually get to uh, watch the movie in full. It should be a better experience in the theater. Spencer Gimbal God's been like yep. doing a bunch of uh, tech work, trying to get the thing all dialed for some like the theater supports seven point one sound, which is seven speakers, and so it should be a pretty crazy experience. He's got it all colored and everything. Whose idea was this? Uh, the film yeah. or like the color? The, and the, the, the film. Okay. Um, the film was. Kind of like me and Spencer's idea. It first started out in a, as an edit. We were going to just film in Indo, Chile, and New Zealand. And it was going to just be like a five-minute edit, like surf and snow, kind of just like little sample platter to like show what we could do. But when we were in Indonesia, the first trip in May, we ended up getting some pretty crazy waves at this wave called Lances. And those clips just seemed too good to only put in an edit and we showed Austin our team manager and he thought it would be a good idea if we just made a film so it kind of like it wasn't meant to be a film at the start and then it just kind of snowballed into us filming for a whole year and a half to try to make this thing well well I guess a lot of people don't know about you is that you could pretty much he could be a pro surfer and this is like kind of been talked about it's been talked about in the industry and and you know, I, I guess I've only seen what anybody else has seen of what you two have posted on your Instagram or your socials over the last kind of like year and a half. Or, I mean, I, I'd be, I, I, I'm actually, it's, it sucks to say, it doesn't suck to say, but I'm more excited to see the surfing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm stoked to like show everyone the surfing and the snowboarding as well. Just like two of my passions that I've done since before I can remember. And yeah, it was just like a cool way to go challenge myself and yeah, and, both of these things. And for Gimbal God, like this is like, he's never filmed surfing like this either, right? So this is kind of his first. Yeah, he's never filmed surfing. Is he any good at it? He's good on the tripod actually, yeah. Spencer is kind of a genius with all things cameras. It's actually pretty Does he crazy. get in the water with like the mouthpiece thing too? And no, he's not swimming. We hired a guy for that. We hired this guy David Biner for the water photography stuff. Um, it's just so gnarly. It's like a it's a completely different game when you're swimming out in the water in waves of consequence. Like you got to know what you're doing. We don't want Gimbal God drowning. Nah, and <laughs> I, I don't really want him out there. Or I wouldn't like really want him out there because this guy's just like better. He knows at, what he's doing. Yeah, this guy knows what he's doing, and Spenny doesn't want to go out there if this guy knows what he's doing because like this guy's gonna have way more of a shot of actually getting the clip yeah. versus like you don't want to waste all that time out there because just like the pal, like the waves are a finite resource. You know, like it's only gonna be so many that day that come in, and like if the filmer misses it. And you get a crazy one, like you're not getting that wave back. So it's like, it's tough on both ends. Like it's not easy for the surfer and it's not easy for the filmer either. 
So yeah. I think that's what makes it like kind of a little bit different than snowboarding. Yeah, and I guess we'll bounce backwards and forwards. Um, but it's like we're in, we're in the surfing. Um, what what locations did you guys film at? And what's the difference between filming a surf movie and filming a snowboard movie? Yeah, so um, like, do you want all the locations that we filmed yeah. at, or just like the locations that are in the film? Locations that are in the film. So the locations that are in the film are Indonesia, Chile, and Costa Rica. But we also made a trip to. Lofoten in Norway to try to surf this wave up there and then we also tried to surf in Ireland but and it uh, just didn't work uh, didn't get any clips there no Ireland's um, like big wave surfing right or no yeah yeah there's some pretty crazy slabs there there's big waves and slabs and pretty much like everything you could find any cold water of, any type of scary wave you want to get into you can find in Ireland so what's the size of some of the biggest waves you're surfing in this film um I would say like probably like at the biggest, like, 8 to 10 feet. Like, uh, I don't know, like, maybe a couple, like, 16, 18-footer faces. And did this, like, kind of film give you that opportunity to actually, like, push your surfing in a different way? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I've never tried to, like, work on my surfing as hard as I have this past film. So it's super cool, like the level is so high in surfing and so like to try to like uphold that like to uphold some sort of standard like not trying to be the best but just like trying not to like make a complete fool out of myself so like yeah I had to work pretty work pretty hard to like get these clips yeah because you're trying to like I mean you're kind of doing it for two different audiences in a way right yeah did you grow up competing in surfing at all I did some small contests when I was a kid, but um, no, nah, it wasn't like really for me. I didn't really like competing in surfing when I was younger. Kind of just like doing it more. But in snowboarding, you did uh, FIS Junior Worlds. You were FIS Junior World Champion. No, bronze. Junior World Champion. Yeah, bronze medal. Like, they were the time of our lives at Junior Worlds. Yeah, Definitely. Junior Worlds are super fun. I enjoy it. It's like fun getting to go and like compete against a bunch of juniors and yeah. What, 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 did you grow up competing small competitions in Mammoth? Like, what contest series was going around Mammoth? Back yeah, then? I mean, Danny, was USASA around when you were growing? Uh, yep, yep, USASA. Yeah. We had, like, the Mid-Atlantic Series on the East Coast. I know Mammoth kind of has, like, the same with North yeah. Star and Tahoe, that whole, like, NorCal. Yeah, so we had, like, a. I did the USASAs when I was a kid and did all those little contests, like, growing up. Yep. Kind of just, like the little feeder events and they go to nationals and you do those until you're like 13. And then I did the rev tours and then like around 15, I started doing fist contest. Yeah. Do you like competing? Yeah, I enjoy it. I think like I was the past couple years, I was like a little bit in like a competitive rut I felt and I wasn't enjoying it that much. But last year I actually had a lot of fun competing. So just like, what do you figuring think out changed? That uh, just like figuring out that mindset, competing. I think I was like too focused on the results before and kind of just like didn't allow me to completely like go into that, go into the zone. You know, when you're like too focused on the results and a lot of things are running through your head, it kind of, it's hard to shut that off and just go and do your run. And so I kind of was like battling myself basically. I felt like the, in, previous years and then this year I kind of was just like 
I was like, I can't do that anymore. Like, I got to stop focusing on the results and just, like, just land runs. And, yeah, that made me a lot more stoked. Like, I wasn't on the podium this year, but, like, was in finals and stuff, and I was just, like, happy to land runs. So maybe it wasn't, like, the best competitive year of my life, but I had the most fun this year competing. Well, and that's super important. I mean, really just, like, competing in especially in snowboarding it's about like riding your best and you kind of entered that fis pro level pretty early right i mean yep. which is a different uh environment of competition but i definitely remember the first time i heard your name and got to watch your videos was uh the junior jam us open right at Vail. yeah and he came out at 14 and literally went bigger than every pro was going in the half pipe. Won the junior jam of like 14 and under. Wow. And then went on to do it. And I remember like people showing me this video be like, this kid's from Mammoth. Like Mammoth's finally back on the scene in half pipe. And it was like, but it was, it was so impressive to see like what you were doing, you know, and like pushing yourself in that half pipe. And then I think you went on to do really well, like even in the men's final. Yeah, I think I got like fifth or something like that. Which is huge, right? Yeah, yeah, like, that was huge. That was a big jump start in my career. Like that was like kind of like what um, I felt like, yeah, kind of made my snowboard career. Like that's like the first point where I felt like I could really do this. Like before I was just like competing yeah. against all the small time stuff and then making the finals and getting fifth in that, in the U.S. Open was a very huge point in my career. I felt like kind of like the first big point in my career. And then at what point did you kind of like then stay a little bit more, kind of shift your focus into slope style and big air? Um, I'd always been riding slope style and big air. Like even when I did was doing that half pipe stuff, I was maybe a little bit more focused on half pipe. But um, yeah, after like a year of like doing fist contests and half pipe, I just... I didn't like it that much. I didn't really like riding half pipe for competing. I liked riding half pipe when I wasn't in a contest, but it just like, there was something about it that I just didn't enjoy. And it was kind of like sucking the fun out of it. And then I started riding slope style and the US team gave me an opportunity to do some slope style events and just like kind of felt, felt like that was what I was meant to do. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you have to hit like a couple big jumps to get to the Mammoth Half Pipe? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you ride everything. You ride There's everything. a whole slope run before yeah. you get to it. Um, the perfect six minute Without lap. knowing it, you already know what you're doing. That was what I always loved about Mammoth. Like, it was like, you, you, like in the heyday, and then still today, like that park is, that run is, you know, everything's there. Yeah, you. I feel like growing up at Mammoth, you're incentivized to just ride everything because it's right there for you you know there's no point in being a a half pipe rider or just a slope style rider like you have it all in front of you you might as well develop your skills and everything I, I saw a post recently it was from Tanner Hall who's a skier but one of the most badass skiers to ever live but he posted a picture of Mammoth parking lot and he said I'm back in uh grown ups Disneyland he goes this is the best place in the world and I like yeah. remember the memories of when we were younger living there and Tanner lived there back in the day and you know, you've obviously got to experience that. It's like Mammoth generally is one of the best places in the world. And when it's working, it offers this facility that is, you know, it, and then when it snows, it's got, you know, when you know where to go when the battle's there, it's that's sick. But like for the Parkwire, you know, they, they 
for example, they're going to be open again in goddamn. You know, they're already open. They're already open. They're open. Yeah, they're opening in like eight days. But yeah, I feel super lucky to grow up at Mammoth. It's like. And um, at what age did you get to like kind of, did you move there full time or were you kind of weekend worrying for a little bit? Definitely did the weekend warrior program. Like when we first started going up there, my parents had an RV. So we used to stay in the RV park. And then like my dad would drive up to chair two, like five in the morning park, little like ski in, ski out of the RV. It was super sick. And then as my skills developed more, I ended up starting to live up there with my mom. My parents would rent a place and then my dad would come visit and then got to the point where now I just travel to snowboard and surf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like all of this, when you were up there was the intention for you to go pro like, or it was just like, he loves this. Let's just, you know, let's give them the best snowboarding life. Or was it like they need to compete? Yeah, it was, no, it wasn't. There wasn't ever any pressure to be a professional athlete. My parents just like were super supportive and, they saw that I had a passion for it, and yeah, I don't know why, but they just like continued to support my dream until it became a reality. Awesome. Super parents, you had super yeah. super mom, super dad, yeah. super, super mom moved I mean, to Mammoth. Yeah, super mom moved to Mammoth with me at eighteen, which was really cool. Um, and they were just, you know, it was so cool that they would just like trust me to travel the world on my own at that time, which was pretty crazy. I, I always think about it like oh, I remember 15? I used to travel with a like a book and phone numbers mm. and that was it like no cell phone no like a, a, a book, black book a black book with phone numbers in it that you would like use at a payphone. Mm-hmm. Well, Dingo got dropped off on my couch by a stork at like fifteen. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> there was a point years later where I was like, "You got to clean out your closet, dude. Like you haven't been here in a year. Like there's half a closet filled with your stuff." Yeah, man, they were the days. I miss that place. I mean, they say like living in any mountain town is kind of the best thing you can do and everyone should do it at least one year of their life. It really is because like there's no bad, you don't have any bad days in mountain towns. Even when you're snowed in and there's nothing to do, you're not having a bad day because it's dumping snow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it's going to be great <laughs> yeah. in the next couple of days. So it's just like, got to batten down the hatches. All right, let's get to the dirty talk. Let's talk about the snowboarding this year. Um, you you can't you run this camp for 21 days? Yeah, we did. I'm going to call it 18 days and 16 nights because there's like a day on day set up on the end, right? Of each time of like. And where was that? Night. It was in Whistler. I'm not going to say exactly where, but no, you don't have to say where. But it was in was Whistler. It, it was in Whistler. Uh, Stop. No. Was it? We were in a fire. We were on a fire road, and we were about. Our camp was three hours from a main road. Like if some something really bad happened, you're fucked. You're fucked. Was that kind of scary being so far out there? Because not a lot of people see that. As far as like when you film backcountry, you're out in the yeah, backcountry. Yeah, you go back there. Um, not. I mean, it was like a little bit scary, but it's kind of just like. I was like, oh, this is where we're living. Like, we got, we have medical kits and everything there. I guess, like, if anything bad happens, we're just going to, it's going to be our base camp until we can call a helicopter, basically. And whose idea was this? Um, Gimbal God. <laughs> <laughs> Did else? it get scary at all? Like, was there, like, cold nights where you're like, oh, my God, I'm camping outside, living Not, outside? Dude, to be honest, it was pretty plush. Like, we... We had really nice tents. We had a furnace, a propane burning furnace in there. Oh, wow. So we were drying out our gear. We were we were glamping. 
I would say. Like, it was still a snow camp, but we brought in all the amenities that we needed. And How many trips did you do to get everything out to the... It took us a whole whole day to get it like because we had to once we got there to the zone that we were camping it's just a bunch of snow piles so then you have to go grade it so you take the snow pushers and you're just pushing out and just like grading this ground easier than grading dirt but you're grading it out and then you make it all flat and then you got to set up your tent and we had to pull some logs out of places with chainsaws and move stuff around it was quite the experience it is crazy to think about um you're three hours away from, like, humanity. Like, if something is from, to go wrong. You call in the chopper. Yeah, yeah, no, no, Or you sled him out, you right? would, Yeah, you could sled him out. Did you have cell phone out. service? Uh, we, had a, we had a Starlink and a Jackery. So, like, we had, and then we actually ended up bringing up a, a pro, not a propane, a gas, gas generator so we could charge the Jackery. But, yeah, we were just, like, we had a little mini power generator, and we'd plug the Wi-Fi in, and we had pretty insane Wi-Fi up there. What's wow. A, what's a Jackery? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, Jackery is just it's an electronic generator. Oh, so okay. So you can charge it with solar panels. It's just like a brand. Um, battery bank kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just a massive battery bank. Um, it lasts pretty long, but the, the solar panels you need probably like – we only had one – and it was going to take like 18 hours to charge the thing. So then we just had to bring in a generator. But I think if you had like six or seven solar panels and you hooked it up on a real sunny day, you could charge that thing. And did you guys get many snowstorms while you were there? Yeah, we had we had a lot of days snowing. But um, you just like wake up and shovel. Like we never had anything where like the tent was like, it, like we were scared that the tent was going to collapse. Um, so you just wake up and take the shit pusher and push it around, push some snow around. That's probably a long day, a snow day when you're that far out and you're camping in the middle of a mountain. But there's always stuff to do when you're camping. Like you're never not doing anything because you have to make water up there. Like you don't bring water in. You're, you take a big pan and you put snow in there and you cook the water. You're making your own water? Yeah, you make water because it'd be way too heavy to bring water out and then it would freeze and stuff. So then you get like, you bring up like, little yetis so then you can store the water in there but you're making the water up there so there's, you're constantly chopping firewood and yeah keeping that burner going making water just like everything's uh everything becomes a task up there even just like making food in the morning i feel like 21 or what, 18 nights or whatever it was 18 days in up in the middle of nowhere i feel like you could survive anywhere yeah i mean like there's gnarlier places to camp like on a glacier would be pretty hectic like there's just less resources like we were at least able to like there's dead trees around so you can go get firewood and stuff like that but up on the glacier is a little different story i don't know if i could do 18 days just yet on the glacier who um did anyone kind of like lose it who was losing it having the hardest time i don't think anyone like really lost it but i just remember being like so tired and just completely done by by the end, like I remember it was our fifth or sixth day of sun in a row and I was just exhausted. We've been riding super hard. Just like everything takes it out of you, sledding and building and hitting and not getting the recovery because you're sleeping in a tent at night and your body's working hard to keep you warm. Did you sleep naked? 
No, I just sleep in my boxers. Right. And have like a sleeping a, bag, right? Yeah, and a nice sleeping bag. Like I had a we like put like a yoga mat down and then a and then a sleeping pad with down in it. So you had to like blow it up the specific way to not get moisture in it. So it had down in the pad. And then we had Cinnabars, which were like Neg 40 sleeping bags. So we were warm. Yeah. See, what I did is, to prove a point to him, I think in Alaska, I slept in like a tent from like a Target. Yeah, you did. A tent to prove from, from, from Valdez Pass. Yeah. Valdez Pass. And Thompson? Outside. Yeah. On the ground. No. On the ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. But then I got I slept butt naked in the in the sleeping bag so I could stay warm. But it was the stupidest thing I ever did. You also yeah, threw naked, up warmer. outside of the tent. Yeah, I'd drink, I'd dr- I'd drink so I could go to sleep. Would you have a camp out, something like that, Brittany? I, would t- I mean, something more like the glamping yeah, situation. situation, not the Target, that situation. No, <laughs> that was no, no, a $20 no. tent. I would love to camp. I like, like the mountains. Just like the fly net open on top. It was so gnarly. <laughs> it was so gnarly. That's hectic. <laughs> but we also had people camping out in the back of our motorhome with two snowmobiles that had basically just shaken all the gasoline <laughs> out of them on their way up. So we were also worried that someone was going to die in the back, too. Yeah. The road's gnarly. The well, Alaskan yeah, we lost it. It's so Yo, bumpy, right? So we lost a trailer that had two snowmobiles on it, and we're on this big straightaway, and it's got those crazy bumps, and um, this trucker waves us down. We're like, the fuck? So we're like waving it. We waved at three different people that all were like <laughs> trying to tell us that you just lost your trailer, and we're just like, people are so friendly here. Yeah. <laughs> So finally his truck stops. He's like, yeah, y'all got a trailer? We're like, yeah. We And we're like, we look and we're like, oh, we had a trailer. Yeah, like, look at the camera. We're like, oh. And it was Dustin Craven's sled and arrow. Oh, Did you go back and get it? Yeah. And we went back and it we was We were so lucky. Like, so, it, it, like literally the sled, because we're on the other side of the road. So we obviously gone around a corner and it just wasn't, it just wasn't connected right. I forgot who had actually helped put the trailer back on because that was kind of one of those moments where everyone was like looking at that guy. Yeah, like you fucked up. It was like that yeah. Spider Man. You, know, you see that meme with Spider Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. That was that moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just really busted both chains and the, the trailer just like went into the snow, so it never flipped or anything. They were all on there. We got so lucky that it didn't fly off a cliff or like fly into another car, and then just like went down the thing. We were able to pull the sled back up, and then literally, like I think, I think the tow ball. We put a bit of water on it, and the thing just slipped right back on. Insane! That's a you guys are lucky. Got very lucky. <laughs> yeah, we could have went like five more hours and never even known where it had happened. Well, we um, wouldn't not. We wouldn't known where to get the sleds. You did some time in Alaska. Was it this winter for this project? Yep, this was the first year I went up to Alaska. Cool. What was that like? Crazy experience. Uh, the mountains up there. I mean, I've always been told that the mountains up there are big, and you're gonna be the your mind's gonna be blown. But it truly is a mind blowing experience when you go up there. It's like the scale is just like hard to comprehend. You see something up on the mountain, you're like, oh, that cliff looks like chill. Like I could hit that in the line, and then you get up there, you're looking down on, you're like, whoa, that thing's what I thought was ten feet is actually a sixty foot cliff. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is crazy, right? Yeah. And it's were you guys be- snowmobiling more or heliing? We did heli and then snowmobiled a little bit at Thompson Pass when the weather was bad. And yeah, we just like would go on some little adventures and stuff. But the best boarding we got was uh, in the helis. Me and Brandon went and hiked one of the books one day. On our, we like rode our snowmobiles out there and hiked one of the books. But um, the best riding was definitely in the heli. Yeah. Yeah, good heli riding up there. Oh my God, the longest powder runs you've ever taken. 
You're like so taking a break. You're like, I can't even turn anymore. It's Going actually so fast too. Yeah, yeah, it's scary too. I remember like stopping once. Oh no, I was I was waiting at the bottom, and you're waiting for the heli, and you're waiting for everyone to come down. And I remember like sitting there being like, sh- taking it all in, but then also being like, fuck, like I could fall in a hole right now, and nobody would ever see me again. Yeah, the, you know what I mean. Huge like huge crevasses everywhere. Yeah. It's like all glacier, super gnarly. I remember the helicopter. Like, God knows the helicopter. Area, there was a cliff on one side. We jumped out the other side. That was really cool. I just remember being like really like having a hard time remembering where you're gonna go because you get in the heli and you kind of look at it on the way up because you can't see mm-hmm. over the you can't see over the edge. Yeah, you, you gotta like flip it in your mind, like look at it from the bottom and flip it. It's an interesting skill. Did it take you some time to kind of like adjust to that? Um, I kind of felt like I was like the whole year I was like building up to it. Like we were running pillow lines and stuff where you were like, it was blind convex rolls. So you like had to use your little, use the markers on the mountain to like know where you were at. So I felt like this year was like the first year I like actually like kind of understood that skill a little bit and like kind of it made sense to me. Like I didn't really feel too uncomfortable in Alaska when we were riding those lines because I was like, it just made sense. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, that's actually, I'm looking at it like this, and now it's a heel-toe heel. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be on my toe side going around that. I'm going to see that, this and there. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to develop it more. Like, Travis Rice is insane at that. You can just, like, tell how confident he is. Yeah, because a lot of them, like him and, him and Landwick, I've seen where they'll, like, take photos, go home, and they'll, like, study They study face. it. Oh, wow. And be like, okay, yeah. I'm going to try this line. And once you're up there looking down, it's so different. So it really takes a lot of time, just like with snowmobiling, takes time to learn too, right? Yeah, you got to like learn. There's so many different little skills in the backcountry that you don't see like from the outside until you're actually doing it. And yeah, like one of those things like snowmobiling or snowmobiling just riding sucks. your line. Like when you're on like a bad one, snowmobiling. Oh, dude. <laughs> It can be the worst or the best thing ever, dude. We've heard that you actually struggled more than anyone on a snowmobile this year. Yeah, it was my first year. It was like my first year, like properly sledding. And yeah, I had a lot of days getting stuck. Dude, in Whistler, I would be so bummed every time we went to a new zone. They'd be like, yeah, we're going to a new zone today. And I'd be like, no, I haven't been there on the yeah. snowmobile yet. Am I going to be able to make it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, that, but that really goes through your head. Like, I, I've been... Same thing. Even in Mammoth, there are times when, like, I've been with these guys going out, and I'm like, fuck, like, am I going to be able to make it out there and make it back, like, all good? And and then there are times when you're just, you're ripping, and you feel like you feel like king the of the world. Yeah. But then, burnt one dig out, yeah. and then you get frustrated. And well, I think, winter like, sledding's really tough. Fresh snow and, like, kind well, of that's that bottomless it. is so different than, like, springtime. Because yeah. even think about, like, snowboarding in deep pal, and then when you, like, get frustrated, like, digging yourself out, that's one thing. When you're snowboarding, snowmobiling in deep pal, digging the sled out, oh, and then getting it out to go straight back into it, and it's just you're putting all your energy into it. So, man, I, I I feel you. I had a moment with him where about, I, I, I nearly um, in Alaska gave up. I started crying. I was like, cried. dude, I'm done. He cried. He shit his pants, too. Um, <laughs> but I remember, like, for my first, like, coming of age on a snowmobile, it was always, like, Whistler. And it was, like, they'd be building you up. And you're like, well, what are we going to do? They're like, you're going to do the Brandywine S-turn. 
And you're like, well, what's that? And it's like literally like a 2,000 foot snowmobile up and you have to do like this S turn up this valley to get up. But people get stuck and people die all the time. Have you done that one yet? I didn't do the I didn't do the Brandywine S because we were uh, a little deeper. We were like we were just in a different area and we had our own we had our own like little trail to get up into the Alpine from where we were staying. Our guide Mason put it in. He went and put it in solo and dude, this thing was hectic. Like small little single track through the trees, bunch of steep little steep little zones and little plateaus. Yeah, I kind of became a what I called an A to B snowmobiler where I was like, hey, guys, like I just want to go from here to wherever we're going to build this jump and ride. I'm not trying to go explore for like the next <laughs> best terrain because you just someone gets stuck, you get stuck, the next guy gets stuck. Literally, all you do is just like then you're just digging out sleds you know. all day. And then there's some people who just like love to show off on sleds like they don't really want to snowboard as much. They just want to sled. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of those people. <laughs> Um, do you feel this is a question because there was a moment where I was surfing a lot and like as the waves got bigger I felt more comfortable do you think snowboarding has helped influence or made your surfing a little easier when the surf gets bigger or is that just me in my head um I I don't know I it's it doesn't really work the same for me in my head I feel like uh, there's like I just like kind of treat them as like two separate things. So like, which they totally are. I'm not yeah, saying they're yeah. anything alike, but like when I, like there was a moment where I was surfing a lot, like most days, and uh, and then I felt as the surf got bigger or I surf bigger surf, people that had surfed their whole lives that were good were like, holy shit, like you're more comfortable. And I was like, I wonder if that's just because I'm comfortable like going as fast as I can down a mountain. Yeah. When the surf got a little bigger, I wasn't that really concerned, or if that was just. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I mean, I like going fast as well. It's just, like, I think maybe just because you were surfing a lot, yeah. possibly. Like, I know when I'm surfing a bunch, like... It's just like that, right? Yeah, like, I just get, like, locked back into it. But, yeah, I just like to switch into the mindset of whatever. Like, if I'm going surfing, like, my mind's on surfing. I'm thinking about surfing. There's no... Yeah, there's, there's no... no snow, there's no snowboarding in there, but, like... And then if I'm snowboarding, there's no surfing in there maybe i might try to channel a little bit of surfing like doing pow carves like ripping yep. like a big frontside turn or something like that i might try to put like make it feel a little bit like surfing but um yeah there's not too much like what's the big difference between say a surf film trip and a snowboard film trip mm, just mainly like locations and stuff and like some surf destinations you're going to are warm, so you're just chilling in trunks the whole time, which is pretty sick. That's a nice way to work. Um, yeah, it is pretty nice. But I feel like you go to, like, a little bit, like, diff- you just go to different countries surfing. Like, I feel like you get to, like, experience a little bit more, like, culture out of the world when you go surfing. Just because you go to, like, a lot of remote destinations and just maybe different places that you wouldn't you would never go there for snowboarding. So it's just like cool. Yeah, you're not going to Indonesia to snowboard. No, you don't go to Indonesia to snowboard, and you don't go to <laughs> you don't go to central you don't go to Central America to snowboard and stuff like that. So you get to see like I don't know, just like with the two, I feel like I get to see like such a wide range of the world. I get to see these mountain crazy mountainous places, and then also get to see these really cool beaches. And well, you see the top to the bottom. Sorry, you see in the top. Yeah, to the bottom. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? You're literally ripping Alaska. Mm-hmm. The surfing in Central America at the you know the coolest 
Like also, but you're also finding waves that are like in the middle of nowhere where nobody else is too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like that's the goal is to find waves, find good waves with no one out. I think that's like every surfer's big dream. And how do you do that? I mean, because, you know, obviously snowboarding, you know, you know, you can go to BC or you can go to Alaska or you can go to these places where aren't resorts. But surfing generally, you know, you've really got to you're, – you're, it's it's an adventure to get somewhere where there's no one surfing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just like you kind of like connect – just like snowboarding stuff, like connections and knowing people in the different zones and meeting people along the way and just like just like snowboarding in, in the mountains, you know, you, you have to gain a lot of knowledge to be able to like accurately – not predict, but like, you know, put yourself in like – a good spot to get clips whether it's in snowboarding or surfing like snow the snow's got to line up and stuff and for surf um the waves the wind the tide everything's got to line up so there's a lot of variables in both of them and surfing um yeah it's you just gotta stack beta um for your surf trips what's kind of like your dream trip one for filming and then two what's your dream trip you could bring me dingo and Brittany on because we're kind of beginners too so dream trip um i mean like i think i'd like to go to south africa at some point maybe get up to like iceland to surf alaska to surf i don't know there's like some there's some cold water did you get the water in alaska at all cold water and sharks we're out on that one now about what us for us but i think i'd take you guys to indonesia Indonesia's great. Oh, there we go. Somebody's been supposed to be taking me there for a while. You just need me in the shin. I just got back from a wedding in Indo. Where at? But I was, I was in the main city. I was like like north. Like, what's the main city? Jakarta. In, J- in Jakarta? Yeah. 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 The wedding was like 30 minutes or 45 minutes south of there. Well, crazy. Good yeah. beach break in Indo? Yeah, there's everything you could want in Indonesia. You could find reef breaks, beach breaks. It's everything beautiful in between. there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Cool country. Nice hard, lo- it's hard to get through from here. Yeah, it's a yeah. far it's a far journey from here. But that's why you go and stay for a little bit when you go down there. Yeah. Yeah. Once and you, you also down. don't stay in one spot when you go down there. You like do Nah, you're like going off to the islands and going around. deep. Like yeah. you know what I mean? That's Yeah, like I like go fly into Bali maybe and then like get some food in Bali, but I don't really like to surf in Bali. Nah. That's like the like main jump. capital kind of zone. Yeah. Well, ba- Bali's not the tourist destination. Like, That's Bali's where I was. like the big tourist area. Okay. Yeah. Cause Craven used to always go on trips for like the whole summer. He would go to Bali and just stay in Bali. Yeah. But then he would go off and do like surf but missions. You can, do little, you can do trips mm-hmm. like from Bali. It's super easy to like hop on a little sketchy line air flight and go like yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sketchy. <laughs> super sketch. Super sketch. What's one of the sketchiest moments you've had like surfing? Because me and Danny nearly drowned once. We weren't surfing. We were snorkeling. <laughs> Extreme snorkeling here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, like, Ireland was pretty scary. Just seeing the intensity of the waves out there. It was just a pretty, strong, powerful wave. Yeah, it was just it was just gnarly. Cold water. Yeah, that's why I asked earlier. You, like, it's cold water there. Sure. Kind of off in... No, nah, we were probably, like... The wave was breaking, like, kind of... In the middle of the ocean, well, I would call it, I wouldn't, it's not yeah. the middle of the ocean, but it's like, it's not right next to the shore. Like you got to paddle out like a couple hundred yards or more or like, or like half, maybe like half a mile. I don't know. Sharky? Um, I don't know. I feel like everywhere is sharky. I don't even think of them. 
Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> sharky everywhere. Like <laughs> we're always like, oh, it's it's even sharky down in San Diego. It's he, he would always see at, at the place I had in Malibu. He would always see sharks when he paddleboarded. I never once saw a shark. I always every time I duck dive, I open my eyes and I'm like. <laughs> I just feel like some people are tastier than others, and they want my good meat. If you're gonna get, <laughs> if you're gonna get hit, you're gonna get hit by one of them. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a fact. Question. That is a fact. Um, maybe this is a dumb question. I'm not too sure. What do you prefer, surfing or snowboarding? What's or is it? Is it uncomparable in a weird way? So yeah, it's kind of apples to oranges for me. Kind of like I'm just gonna choose both. What do you yeah. like better, apples or oranges? <laughs> Before I like did. I think he just said he likes both. I eat more apples, but I do love orange juice better. Would you ever go into competitive surfing? No. no. I don't think so. No. I don't... No, I... I don't know. I think, like, it kind of would suck the fun a little bit out of it mm-hmm. to me. Like, if I was competing in both things, it's kind of just, like... I like... I like having my job being snowboarding and competing... Like, the competing side is, like that so then i have an escape mm. with the surfing to do something else yeah and they're two you're right when you're doing them they're two totally different things but sitting out in the surf with no phone and just being in the water sometimes it's just sitting out there mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like in your own world and you're kind of detached from you know this yep. or electronics or whatever it is when you're surfing you're just and I guess it's snowboarding when you're out there snowboarding too, but you know, you got your phone or your headphones or whatever it is, like surfing, you're detached. Well, I see people all the time, like in Manhattan Beach, like I'll look out and I'm like, there's no surf, and you just see people just boop, 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 just sitting on their board, just That means there's surf coming. No, it usually doesn't. <laughs> it means they woke up at six. It means that they just want to go sit out there and they want to paddle out and just like there's something special Sometimes about you just it. gotta get yeah. in the water. Yeah. yeah, like getting in the water makes you feel good. But like anything, you know, like what Judd's saying is like, you know, having Taking something so seriously, it becomes like that job to you. And it's also fun to have that like powerful passion outlet, you know? Well, it's just like even with painting. Like when I was doing painting as an enjoy, like something I enjoyed. And then when it became a career, it's like it kind of does take that because the pressure is on, right? Yeah, the pressure is on. That creativity of just having fun with it when, you know, there are people watching or, you know, money's on the line. I mean, it just totally changes it. Yeah. You know what I was looking at here? Um, Obviously, mentorship is super crucial. Um, you know, there's always people to look up to, but it's crazy because you're only 22. You were looking up to Mark McMorris and Seb Toots, two great, amazing snowboarders. Were these some of your influences in snowboarding? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, probably when I was a kid, but then as I like grew up and started competing against them, I started like looking farther back. To find inspiration. Yeah. Like this year a lot, I've been watching like a lot of the TV movies. Wow. I'm watching standard films, a lot of stuff. Which is the TV? Was it TV2 with Jim Rippey's doing the backflip off that cliff? Was it TV2? That happened in every TV2, yeah. backflip off a cliff. I know, but it was but the cover. It was the cover of the movie. You might be I'm thinking sure. a steak and lobster over nah, the train. I'm thinking TV, yeah, dude. Yeah, I thought, I thought the Donner Rippey Pass was before one. TV, was he not? Nah, he was in no. TV. Oh, he was in he the was early ones? Maybe early. I mean, I feel like TV is like, pretty early. I was kind of like, f- I like like five, I like like four on. Four who's who's five, in that? Six, seven, I don't know. I like the Johan Olofsson parts a lot, like. That was huge inspo riding in Alaska this year. Like yeah. I watched a lot of Johan riding. 
So that was like late 90s. Sean Farmer. He's yeah. in those movies. I heard he was crazy. Like, wasn't even that good at snowboarding. We'd go to Alaska and just like hit a cliff thinking it was like, you said like oh, 20, 30 feet and go like 100 feet. And, just, <laughs> and that was these guys making video parts back in the day, right? Just going to Alaska for a month and like doing shit that never been done before. Yeah, like they were teeing off a bunch of stuff up there. Like those <laughs> guys are like, they have first descents. Have you ever got to go to like some of those spots? Um, I didn't go to, I didn't, I don't think I like, maybe we rode some of their spots like when they were in Valdez, but I know like some of the stuff they filmed was in Haynes and um, they did some Tordrillos too, right? They did a lot of stuff in Haynes, right? Yeah, Haynes was like the Haynes. spot back then. Yeah, I've seen like a lot of sick, like I like that Gigi roof part and Optimistic, like the intro, like all his stuff in Haynes is super sick. Yeah, he used to tear it up back then. I don't know. Yeah, I got a lot. I feel like a lot of those inspos. If I was going to name a few guys, it'd probably be like Nico Mueller, Gigi, Craig Kelly, Johan Olofsson. What? Oh, and Nicholas would Roman's have been the boss. Nicholas would have been the later status of some of those guys you just yeah, named, right? Yeah. Like, and he kind of came through as a Grom as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely like. But for that film series, you know, mainly like, um, sorry, not standard, but absent. That was a big part of it. Yeah, right? It's like March sick, through yeah. April is the time you just like bust up and you go to Alaska for like six weeks and post up. And hopefully you get like seven, eight good days, right? Yeah. that And that's like what we did this year is we waited, waited like 20 days and we got seven good days. So it was that's successful. That's how it is. Yeah, it was successful. I mean, that's like Whistler. You could be in Whistler for three weeks and not see the sun. Yeah. That's a fact. Because you're partying so hard? <laughs> <laughs> that has happened too. We, we got had some to fun in Whistler. Sun. We got to see the sun a little bit more in Whistler because we were camping. What was the most, like, out of what you filmed for Greenhorn, um, what, were, what, 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 what were some of the highlights? Like, what stood out to you the most? What was the best trip? Or is it kind of all kind of? Um, I don't know, like. I kind of just feel, I kind of just lump it all into like one big experience, like the whole filming thing. I don't think there was ever like, there might've been like some super high points, like when we first got those waves in HTs or the, some of the days in Whistler or some of the days in Alaska. But I mean, like, I think overall it was just like a super sick experience and that's how I kind of lump it together. I kind of figured you were going to say that. So my next question was, when was the last time a movie like this happened? I'm not sure. Because it's just snowboarding to... snowboarding and surfing. That's I mean, it. I would say, like, you know, inspiration was definitely watching, like, Subject Hawkinson, which was always cool because it was, like, Terrier and this. But Terrier always had, like, a very cool mix of, like, a little bit of skate, but it was also, like, a pretty talented surfer that would, like, kind of combine it. We were in yeah. a meeting yesterday, and Jeff Tremaine, the creator of Jackass, brought up Terrier. Terrier used to do this thing where, like, it was like almost like something we'd do at Grenade Games, but in one day he'd make you do all three of these kind of like things. And it was like a competition he used to do in Norway that Tremaine would, out of nowhere, Tremaine's like, man, that Norwegian Terrier. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, dude, back in the day, like I always wish I could have filmed when he'd do this, like you had to do 
all three, and then he'd build these crazy, like, but snow skating was in there too, which he was always. That doesn't count. But it was an Arctic challenge. No, it was like some, like, weird off the cusp thing that he did, like, in the mid 90s. Did you ever do that with, like, your family or pops? Because if you, like, doing the mammoth to surf, no, like, I don't know. I don't think we ever trifected it. Yeah, we never that's what it's called, the trifecta. The trifecta. We paddle out, and then, yeah, Mammoth's probably a hard one to get to, but Big, Big Bear. Bear no, then. they've done it. Like, they, they they did a series where it's skate, surf, snow, all in one day. You'd start it. I forget how they did it. I don't know if you end snowboarding or you start. I think you always started surfing because, yeah. like, you could, early go, morning. you could go early, and then you would go up and snowboard, and then at, you'd skate. At, at the end. Yeah. I think you're right. But you'd skate at Big Bear or something, right? Yeah, yeah. You would, like, I think Big Bear is probably the easiest way to accomplish it or Mountain High. Man, well, um, I don't have too much more. We're pretty much at the time code here. Um, so Gimbal God made the movie, directed, edited. Yes. Um, who's the filmer you mentioned earlier? The surf filmer that got in the water? Oh, uh, yeah. Dave, David Biner filmed. Shout, shout out to him. Um, I think uh, everybody's super excited to see this movie. Yeah. I'm and I heard you. to show the world. Yeah. And I heard you earlier basically just be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to have this off my shoulders and it to be out there and then kind of on to the next thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you work so hard on something for so long and just like, Kind of feels like you're dragging around a ball and chain at a certain point, and so I'm just ready to set this thing free. Well, Greenhorn, presented by Monster Energy, is basically out. Um, we have this little lightning round that we do at the end there. Brittany's going to fire some questions away. Um, congrats, dude, because I know that this was a lot of work. Um, you've been working on this for over a year and a half, and uh, there's probably some days where you're like, fuck. This is too much, but um, it'll all—it's all paid off, and now you just kind of, you know, you're 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 in cruise control, and you kind of get to sit back and watch everybody else collect the high fives. The collect the high fives. fives. The best part about putting out a video <laughs> part is like because no one actually was there to high five you around the world watching these tricks. Yeah, but so. I mean, like. I was with Tour Gear all year, so it's sick. Doesn't and count, hype. <laughs> You know, that's high five to high five. High five to high this five. This is like everyone coming out to yeah. celebrate you. That's badass. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Stoked to put it out. All right, lightning round. First thing you do in the morning? Probably go take a piss. <laughs> okay. When you get older, that happens twice in the middle yeah, of the night. Yeah, me and Danny bumped into each other last <laughs> And we really bumped into each other. Best snowboard video of all time. Best snowboard video of all time. This is a hard one. Let's just go TB7. Dang. There we go. Soundtrack that gets you fired up. Soundtrack that gets me fired up, like, and pertaining to what? Anything. Like what music. What's ready? Music. Um, what type of music? Guess yeah. it just depends on the day. Can, Are you a big hip hop guy? Uh listen to some hip hop. Maybe like competing recently. I've been like throwing on just some death metal before I drop in. Nice. Some electric wizard. That'll get you spinning. Yeah, electric wizard gets you spinning. So favorite half pipe half pipe trick to throw for style. Ooh, easily gotta be a sky hook. What's a sky hook? It's a crippler with stale fish. Dang. Popularized by Sean White. Yeah. Question though, so you were part of this scene. When did the rodeo become the crippler? What rodeo? Like frontside rodeos in the pipe became cripplers. 
Is it? See, like the skyhook? It happened before him. Yeah, that's that's beyond my knowledge. Wait, is a crippler like the Gretchen 540? Well, it's like I guess technic <laughs> I guess technically <laughs> a crippler is supposed to be like like a just straight barrel. Straight straight barrel, roll, right? Barrel roll. Yeah, yeah. rippy. Yeah, like back, but I feel like now it's like Danny says, it's a little bit more like of a cork 360 kind of a rodeo type thing. You're throwing it a little yeah. bit. I more used to love. Up. Hey, F, yeah. I used to love calling that Sean Skyhook when I was announcing. You that loved thing, it. I did love it. I mean, dude, he, <laughs> that trick is so iconic, and like, he could geez. send it so high. It feels he, good. He made it look so good. Yeah, too. when he poked the stalefish out and he was like hanging from the half pipe. It's sick. It's a good looking trick. All right, choose one: Mammoth or La Jolla. Apples to oranges. Apples to oranges. Apples to oranges. Well, then, <laughs> all right, well then, I don't know. Well, the next one is also apples to oranges. Favorite vacation spot, ocean or mountains? Vacations? Um, favorite, ocean. though. Okay, okay, but I'm not going anywhere that's not going to have oceans or mountains. So I'm not vacation. So either one, but I'm not going to go vacation anywhere that I apples can't. Apples to oranges. That apples I can't oranges. snowboard or surf or skateboard. He's not it's there. It's not right. happening. Dan? That's it. That's what we got. Um, what's it gonna, what's it gonna take for, I know getting into the next like round, Cortina, looking down the line, mm, yeah, some is there gonna be, business. are you gonna put a little drive together going into the future? For Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go for it. For sure. That's a great I'll last question. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see. I mean, like on track, I'm doing all the contests. No point in not trying for it. There you go. On that note. And that's what it actually takes. Why not try? Yeah, I'll go for it. I mean, like, yeah, you put all this time into something. Like, if you show up to your contest and you don't try, you're just wasting your own. You're wasting your own time. Yeah. All right, we'll end it there. One last question, bonus style. Who does it feel the best to beat in a slope style? Or is there anyone that you grew up wanting to beat? <laughs> probably Mark. Mark's probably the best person to beat. Yeah. I'd say. Especially that when feels he lands. The best. That, feels the, that would feel the best if he lands because it's like, all right. like Such a winning streak. This guy's done it all. He's been a childhood inspiration. If this guy lands and I beat him when I land my run, I'm stoked. Okay, what would feel better, beating Mark McMorris in a slope style event or beating Travis Rice at the natural selection? <laughs> Travis Rice at the natural selection. Because that's just like, dude, he really is. He really is the best. Yeah. That's cool. All right, dude. Congratulations. Greenhorn out now, yeah. presented by Monster Energy. Uh, you're the me. man. Greenhorn. Greenhorn.